Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Tuesday, January the 30th in the year of our Lord 2024. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me is my good friend, Pastor Mark Smith. We are going to take a look at the hymn, Hail to the Lord's Anointed. It was written by James Montgomery, who died in 1854, and he used the hymn at Christmas in a Moravian congregation, possibly the one at Yorkshire in 1821. This occasion invests the opening hymn lines with a deeper resonance, confessing the Christ child to be the Lord's anointed, and this day, Christmas, to be the time appointed for his reign on earth to begin. By 1822, Montgomery had set this hymn within the context of Christian missions, emphasizing its expansive vision of Christ's reign on earth. In January, he sent a copy to George Bernard, a missionary in the South Seas, and in April, he recited it at a missionary meeting in Liverpool. Montgomery then placed this hymn within its biblical context. It is a translation of Psalm 72 in the hymnal Songs of Zion, and then a year before his death, in original hymns, 1853, it was added, entitled, The Reign of Christ on Earth. And this last publication forms the authorized version of the hymn. While commonly edited to four stanza, the original hymn contained eight stanzas, and they're very interesting. This is the hymn of the day for Epiphany 5 this coming Sunday, which is February the 4th in the year of our Lord, 2024. Pastor Mark Smith, Hail to the Lord's Anointed. A favorite hymn of yours? I have to. I have to admit it, it. It's not. It's not one of my favorites. In fact, uh, I would not have. I would not have thought this of this as a Christmas hymn. I think it's well placed in early Epiphany. Uh, but you know, the more I think about it, as I go over the words, I can understand. I can understand why he would uh, use this on Christmas. It's just. I guess. I guess the melody doesn't seem to fit somehow. It just doesn't uh, seems more better placed where it is in the middle of Epiphany. Yes, and it is for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. And how, how many Sundays are there in Epiphany? Well, it depends upon it depends upon when Ash Wednesday begins. Now, uh, this year we have. Uh, Epiphany 5, and then the final one is uh, Transfiguration Sunday. That'll be uh, that'll be February the 11th. Uh, this year, uh, Ash Wednesday starts on uh, the 14th. 
Boy, that's early, isn't it? You know, I don't think of it. Well, I guess it is because, you know, Easter will actually be at the end of March, which is a little bit early. Yes. But, you know, I've I've had years where Ash Wednesday is as early as February 8th or 6th. Really? Yeah. Wow. I guess we all have. We just don't. Now that remember. is early. Okay. Hail to the Lord's anointed. Stanza one, please. Okay. Hail to the Lord's anointed, great David's greater son. Hail in the time appointed, his reign on earth begun. He comes to break oppression, to set the captive free, to take away transgression and rule in equity. Now, it says it's great David's greater son. Yes. What, what, what's that referring to? Well, uh, Jesus, of course, is a descendant of uh, of the great King David. Who, uh, even though David certainly had its fault, his faults, he was he's thought to be uh, a man after God's own heart, and uh, thought to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, king of of Israel from the Old Testament. But his his greater son is, of course, Jesus, who. Uh, who rules over everything. Who was his lesser son? Uh, his lesser son? I suppose, um, well, he had he had many sons. Uh, what would you say, uh, Solomon? Yes, the one who wrote Proverbs. Right, right, yeah. yeah Solomon was, was his... another example of, uh, of a great king. His wisdom is always talked about, and yet... Uh, he had his faults too. He married too many wives, too many pagan wives, and of course that was uh, that that was his downfall. Now, don't we believe, teach, and confess that Jesus existed from eternity? Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Then how do we understand the next line? Hail and the time appointed, his reign on earth begun. It's talking I, about his. It's talking about his incarnation. Very uh, good. Very good. Uh, and and of course we. I don't know. We usually think of his uh, his earthly ministry as beginning uh, right after his baptism. But really, you know, that little tiny babe of Bethlehem, he was no less than God himself. Never ceased to be God. He was God even in the womb. And that was shown by worship of two groups. Right, the shepherds and uh, and then later the, the wise men. That's right. Which, that which by the, the way, the wise men is also, uh, is also mentioned in this hymn, yep. coming of the wise men. And his reign on earth begun, it's then explained in the next line, that he is to break oppression and set the captive free. Who's the captive? Let's be all of us. Yes. All of us who were captive to sin, death, and hell. Yeah. We were born with original sin, and we were members of the kingdom of Satan, and therefore we were imprisoned by him. And how were we set free? 
to set the captive free uh, by his cross. His suffering and death redeemed all of us. What does the then, last line of the first verse say? Well, you know, that's that's an interesting point because, you know, equity and rule in equity. Equity's gotten kind of a bum rap these days, hasn't it, with the uh, the DEI movement. Um, yeah. Uh, equity is uh, equity really is it's it's fairness and justice, but it's not necessarily equal outcome for all, which is what uh, how people look at equity today. Yes. Uh, particularly, we're free because of what does the last line say? Uh, to take away transgression. That's why we're free. That's right. It's because we were sinners and that transgression was taken away by the means of the forgiveness of sins. Right. All right, right. I'll read stanza two. He comes with rescue speedy to those who suffer wrong to help the poor and needy and bid the weak be strong to give them songs for sign their darkness turned to light whose souls condemned and dying were precious in his sight. Now, line that is kind of interesting to give them songs for sighing. Yes. Normally we think of sighing as something negative. Yeah, yeah, uh, like, oh, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of a letdown. And it's explained why it's a letdown in the rest of that line. Their darkness turned to light. Yes. Souls because condemned and dying were precious in his sight. Their darkness turned to light. Yes, that's, uh, and, uh, yeah, we, instead of, instead of sighing and moaning, we can sing with uh, we can sing with songs of joy. So it's the darkness that causes our sign. Right. Isn't that a kind of view that a pastor has when he's about to preach a sermon? He first has to preach to the darkness that people are experiencing yes. in order to then give the light of life. Yes, there's a lot of hurting people out there, Tom, and uh, we we shouldn't forget that as we as we uh climb into the pulpit on Sunday mornings. A lot of hurting people out there and uh and uh, you know they have wrong, they come with their wrong ideas, they come with all their faults, but uh let's not forget that that they're they're hurt. A lot of people are wounded from day-to-day -day struggles at work, at school uh in various occupations and uh we we certainly want to lift their spirits and we, we want to preach the, the law first to bring people to their knees to help them right. understand how lost and condemned they would be without Jesus Christ but we want to uplift them with the good news of forgiveness of all of their sins life salvation and forgiveness I would say also that there are people who come to worship who are ignorant 
of the darkness in which they are living. That's true, too. Right. And so they may not have pain or suffering. They have no need to call the pastor. But then as he explains the law properly, they get a really good understanding of what it means to be in darkness, why they should be signed and are so happy to be set free with souls condemned and dying. They're precious in his sight. Yeah, let's, right. not for, let's not forget how precious, how precious all life is, yes. especially these days. People, you know, people, uh, you've got uh, infants being killed in the womb, and all life is precious. And no, no matter how, no matter how sinful, he's re, he's redeemed them all, and died for them all. That's a good point you're making because it says what are precious in his sight are not those forgiven and living, but those who are condemned and dying. Yes. You know, it's kind of like a parent. They have a newborn baby, but then the doctor says there needs to be some surgery done. And the parent wishes they could trade places with the baby but they are unable to. And so they're also looking at their baby who is precious in their sight, even though the infant may be sick and may even die from the surgery. Yes. Boy, every parent, every parent knows just what you're talking about. Uh, they, they trade places. I, I thought many times, I, many times, uh, as my own kids have had uh, sickness, I thought, boy, if I could only train places with them, especially when they can't tell you what's what's ailing them. You know, that's the time that you feel like, oh, if I could only trade places and and take on the suffering that they're that they're bearing. Yeah, I watch a lot of YouTube, and uh, people end up in the hospital, and a lot of time the doctors have no idea why they are sick. Yeah. And so it takes some real testing, uh, blood testing and other ways of medical help to figure out what is the problem so it can be healed. All right. Stanza three, please. He shall come down like showers upon the fruitful earth. Love, joy and hope like flowers spring in his path to birth before him on the mountains shall peace the herald go and righteousness in fountains from hill to valley flow now i find it interesting that the verse does not say he shall come down like showers upon an unfruitful earth you know, because that's what farmers are looking for when they first plant. It's unfruitful. Yeah. But this is showers upon a fruitful earth. What's a fruitful earth? 
Well, you know, it's interesting. I've also heard the other two. Uh, I, I I can't give you the psalm, but uh, this is this is all very much based on Psalm 72. I was looking at 72 earlier. Right. Um, but uh, upon the, I, I'm thinking about that. He shall come down like showers upon the fruitful earth. And then love, joy, and hope like flowers spring in his path to birth. Well, boy, that's you know that's a that's a good point. Uh, I've I as I said I've I've seen passages too. Well, uh, there's that one line. I think it's one of the Psalms where it says, um, "The desert shall be a pool." Yeah, the fruitful earth is the earth of believers. Uh-huh. So we can have a promise that Jesus is going to come down like showers upon us. And that's because we get blessed. You know, the wonderful blessings that yes. he gives us in Matthew, for example, including love, joy, and hope. And those are like flowers springing in his path to birth. So even in the desert, Jesus is bringing showers down upon a fruitful earth. Now, before him on the mountains shall peace the herald go. What does the word herald refer to here? That's uh, like, I think of a watchman. A watchman, uh, uh, oh, picture, uh, pictured in the scripture, like a watchman on on the wall, and uh, he announces uh, he announces the arrival of an enemy as well as a friend. When did that occur at Jesus' birth? I guess that, I guess you could say that's uh, well, that's the angels giving giving the precious news to the shepherds. Excellent. Watching their flocks by night. They were the heralds. Yeah, and right. W- what they were doing, they even used the word peace, did they not? Yeah. And uh, remember how those humble shepherds, after they left the manger, they, they, saw, the, they saw the Christ child there uh, wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger, and they went and told, you know, these humble yes. shepherds went and told others, of the good news. That's a wonderful example for us to follow. And the last line is, and righteousness in fountains from hill to valley flow. Why the word fountains? Hmm, I don't know. Uh, that might that might be, uh, uh, if we could look again at uh, Psalm 72, it might give us a clue as to why that's used. And righteousness in fountains. In other words, uh, it's an abundance, an abundance of righteousness. You know, it's it's springing forth. It's not just not just flowing, but it's uh, a fountain. Of course, is is shooting up to the shooting up to the heavens, to the sky. Well, I would say the fountain refers to baptism. Oh, that's good. Okay, good. You're right. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Because. That's what a fountain is. We often think of water. And from hill to valley flow. And remember, was that not the message of John the baptizer? 
He lowered yes. the hills and raised the valleys. Yeah. And don't forget that water is living water, too. Jesus talks about himself as living water. Remember how he talked to living water? He, he said that to the uh, Samaritan woman at the well. Yeah. She'll never have to thirst. Right. Okay, I'll read stanza four. Kings shall fall down before him and gold and incense bring. All nations shall adore him. His praise all people sing. To him shall prayer unceasing and daily vows ascend. His kingdom still increasing, a kingdom without end. Now, kings shall fall down before him, bringing gold and incense. Yes. Is this just believing kings or is it also unbelieving kings? Well, you know, it's interesting that it's called them, it calls them kings, like we three kings. I can't help but think of the wise men, even though they weren't necessarily kings, but they were, they were magi. They were wise men, and they bowed down before him, bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But I think right. this is broader. I think this verse, this stanza is broader than that, where, you know, kings, and indeed, real kings, uh, would bow down before him. I think of... Uh, the Emperor Constantine. I think he's the first, the first emperor of Rome to to become a Christian. I, I think I've got that right. And uh, and of course, after that, of course, uh, well, you you take the King of England right now. He's he's the head of the Church of England. Um, so uh, kings do bow before him even today. I'm thinking of a king in the Old Testament. The people were taken into Babylonian captivity yes. by Nebuchadnezzar. Yes. What king allowed them to return to Jerusalem? Let's see, was that Cyrus? No. He was a Persian king. Yes, yes. Isn't that and Cyrus, Tom? Am I thinking the right one? Yeah, I can't recall now. But the, the he allowed Persia, the people to return to Jerusalem. And rebuild and their he, temple. And he did that by giving them gold, silver, and many things. He even helped pay for their workers. And that's how God used an unbelieving king to fulfill his promise that the people of Israel would return That's right. to the promised land. All nations shall adore him. Now, notice it doesn't say all people shall adore him. What's the difference? Well... All nations shall adore him, his praise the people sing. Well, uh, all nations, in other words, uh, he reaches out, his gospel is to reach out to all nations. And, uh, and he redeemed, he redeemed all people. When he died on the cross, he redeemed everybody. Nobody was left out of his redemption, but of course only those that, that believe and accept his promises and believe in them will we'll finally be saved. But, but everybody 
was uh, redeemed when he said, it is finished on the cross. But not all nations adore him. Yeah, not all nations adore him. Yeah, Nations to... refers to people like uh, Jews. Ethnic or groups. Ethnic groups, yes. Those kinds of uh, individuals. So there's no okay. nation that doesn't have people in it right. that adores him. Right, and yeah. And his praise, all people sing in those nations. So what ascends to God? Yeah, he, prayer, unceasing, ascends to yeah. him. Yes. Daily vows ascend. Okay, people give me are, an example. People are praying a, all over the world, even now. Give me an example of a daily vow that ascends. A daily vow. Daily vow. Well, we... We uh, we seek to do His will. Thy will Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's in the. In other words, daily vows are actually an act of worship. Right, that's right. And in a worship setting, you are making daily vows. You're referring to Jesus as Lord, God the Father as Lord, the Holy Spirit as Lord. And you say a lot of things about them that you believe. All righty. Stanza five, please. Or every foe victorious, he on his throne shall rest. From age to age, more glorious, all blessing and all blessed. The tide of time shall never his covenant remove. His name shall stand forever. That name to us is love. Yes. And he's victorious over every foe. And what do we normally summarize as the foes? Uh, en enemies, uh, those that are in the grip of Satan, Satan himself and all of his, all of his minions. Yep. Uh, and those that are uh, operating under his control. And our greatest foe is our sin. So thanks so very much for helping with this hymn, Pastor Mark Smith. Uh, tomorrow we're really going to have a very interesting Bible study. I consider it to be the best chapter in the book of Proverbs. It talks about a woman, and we'll examine that as we end our study of the book of Proverbs tomorrow. Until then, Tom Baker and Mark Smith, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. 
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.